From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Persia in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Persia, they went on to Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Good morning. It's fascinating watching young children grow up and learn to differentiate between their real and imaginary worlds. They delight in creative and imaginary play and then sometimes have to work hard at working out what is real and what isn't. Eventually, well, we hope, they realise that the monster under their bed isn't real and they discover that the auntie in England that people talk about and they've only ever seen a picture of or seen on a screen is actually real when one day she pays a visit to them. For those that study mathematics, there are real and imaginary numbers. Though how real a real number four actually is is probably something that can be debated. Today's passage from the book of Acts brings home the reality of the Christian faith. And today we're going to be looking at real people, the real world, real events, real progress, and the very real difference that Jesus can make. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will speak to us as we examine your word. Help us to learn real truths from this passage and challenge us to be real with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage follows on from last week when we heard about Paul and Barnabas in Cyprus. It begins from Paphos. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas set sail from the far side of Cyprus and they head for Perga. Note it says Paul and his companions. Uh, Paul now is increasingly taking on the leadership and oversight of this first missionary journey. We don't know the names of everyone who went with him. We know that Barnabas was there, along with Luke, who is documenting this for us. Uh, But John, or John Mark, decides at this point to leave the trip and return to Jerusalem. Lots of people have speculated about the reason why John Mark left. Maybe there was a disagreement. Maybe he was homesick. Maybe he had a message from the church in Jerusalem asking him to return. We don't know exactly why, but we know that Paul is not impressed. In chapter 15, he refers to John Mark as deserting them, and he doesn't want to work with him again. Often we hold up the examples in the early church as the way that things should be. And we see the people as real heroes of the faith, which they were. But they were real people, full of faults, failings, and the usual human nature There is some sort of incident here, we don't know what. And John Mark heads for home. Eventually, much later, Paul and John Mark will be reconciled, but not after there's more problems. These are real people. This is the real world. It's the same with our church here. We make mistakes, we get things wrong. We're not perfect or anywhere near it. But Christianity... Is for real people. God accepts us as we are, as sinners 
in need of grace. Christianity is for real people like you and me. You know, some people think that clergy are different, that somehow when you get ordained, it has a, a massive impact on you. And suddenly overnight, you become really spiritual. You're desperate to get up at four o'clock in the morning for a couple of hours of prayer before spending the rest of the day going out to visit needy people in the parish. But clergy, we're just normal people. We're real people. We're people who make mistakes, have doubts, disagreements, lose our temper and have to apologize. Christianity is for real people like you and me. When writing to Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So Christianity, it's for real people. And here we see it in action in a real world. We get the factual details of Paul's travels in this, the first of his many missionary journeys. And there are place names mentioned. We can plan out his route. Many of those towns are still there today. As we read Acts, we remember that what we have here is the edited highlights. And there would have been days on this first missionary journey of rather boring travel as they sailed across the sea. Slow progress as they travelled across the land. There are no records of excitement or miracles on the long crossing from Cyprus to Perga here. This is life lived out in the real world, which is sometimes slow and rather mundane. Our lives may not be exciting every day. Most of our lives are filled with the humdrum and the ordinary. But Jesus is for real people in a real world. Paul and Barnabas had an exciting time ahead and many adventures, but they lived out their faith in the real world with all of its frustrations, problems, and I'm sure at times boredom. I wonder if you've had the experience of going to an exciting Christian conference, hearing a wonderful speaker, being caught up in the worship and the inspired teaching, and then you return home, return back to normal life, and everything seems a little bit flat. We need to remember that God is with us in the day-to-day -day stuff too. When I came here to university in Aberystwyth, it was exciting and Sundays became a real highlights of my week. I was part of a worshipping church and I would pray that I'd carry the excitement of Sunday through the week. I even referred to Monday not as Monday, but as Sunday Boxing Day because I was still charged up after two Sunday services. But God, God is a God of Mondays not just of Sundays. God is a God in the real world. Maybe today you're craving excitement, but remember like Paul and Barnabas, God is with you in the day-to-day -day details of your life. Whatever your plans this week, whether it's special events or just the usual, we remember that God is with us. We may not see great miracles this week, but we're assured of God's love, his presence with us. Jesus is for real people in a real world. And like Paul and Barnabas, there may be adventure and excitement ahead. So this is for real people in a real world. And we have real events listed here. 
you may have noticed we abridged our reading today and you might like to read the missing bit in your own time. It's Paul address, Paul's address to the synagogue as he tells the story of Israel, uh, the promised saviour, the coming of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating history. He, he mentions Egypt, the Exodus, Judges, Samuel, Saul, David, John the Baptism, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. There's so much in there. But Paul in his address puts Jesus in the context of real events. He tells the history of the Jews and shows that Jesus is the one foretold in the scriptures. The promised Messiah has come. He's addressing Jews in the synagogue and his theme to them is, this is real history and now you have a chance to be part of it. Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the one you've heard about. Now will you follow him? That's Paul's challenge. Jesus came to real people in a real world and his life, death and resurrection were real events. We're going to hear about the real difference that Jesus can make to us after our next song. We're following the early part of Paul's first missionary journey and we've been thinking about how Jesus is for real people in the real world with real events. Right at the end of our reading we hear more of the real progress that is being made to spread the good news, the gospel about Jesus. Paul and Barnabas had created quite an impact on Cyprus and now we see here in Pisidian Antioch on the mainland that many of the people in the synagogue wanted to hear more. The passage today ends like this. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. The people had been challenged as on Cyprus and here we see them responding to Paul's message. It wasn't going to be easy and we'll see that next week. But here we see real progress with the spread of the gospel across the lands. This is true in the church today, with people coming to faith every day across the world. In some areas we see that the church might appear to be struggling, but globally the church is growing strongly. There is real progress as people follow the example of Paul and Barnabas and go and tell people about Jesus. Real progress in a real world with real people. But so far, maybe I've missed out the most important bit and the bit we're going to concentrate on now at the end. What was the message of Paul to the people that day? What did Paul and Barnabas share with the people that created such a stir and led to radical change across the continent? And the key verse, I don't know if you spotted it, is in verse 38. And if you remember one thing, remember this verse. After Paul's potted history of Israel, after his telling of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, he finally comes to his point in verse 38. He's saying to them, you've heard the history, you've heard the facts. Now it's time to respond because Jesus can make a real difference. Verse 38, Paul's address. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins 
is proclaimed to you. What does Paul want them to know? The same message that I want you to know, that through Jesus we have forgiveness of sins. But what does that mean? We're all what the Bible calls sinners. All of us have failed to live up to God's perfect standards. We don't deserve to be allowed anywhere near a perfect God. But God loves us. He completely and totally and unconditionally loves us. In John's Gospel, John's account of Jesus' life, we read these famous words, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Bible teaches us that Jesus died to pay the price for our wrongdoing, to take the punishment that was due to us. And because of this, we can enjoy new lives and live as God's children. In our passage today here, verse 39 continues, through him, that's through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. The Jews were reminded here that trying to keep the law, the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, was not enough. No, they and we need Jesus. We need to believe in Jesus. Through him, everyone who believes is set free. We need to turn to God to ask for forgiveness for our wrongdoing. The Bible calls this repenting. And we need to trust in Jesus for our rescue. Paul goes on here to warn his hearers to respond and not let this offer pass by. He quotes from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, reminds them that he hasn't just given them a history lesson, but actually there's a response needed here. Jesus can make a real difference. You can start all over again with a clean slate. Whatever you've done, God offers forgiveness and a chance to start again. That was Paul's message and that's our message from the church here. We say with Paul, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. If you need to do something today to respond, our team will be waiting to talk to you and pray with you after the service. If you're not watching this live, then send us your details and we'll be in touch. Because Jesus is for real people. Faith in him is for life in the real world. And he can make a very real difference if you let him. Amen.